91.3 WLRN presents Topical Currents. This hour, we consider a different facet of Hurricane Irma's influence, our personal behaviors. Did facing adversity bring out the best in you, your family and neighbors? Did the common good galvanize your actions? Good afternoon, it's Bonnie Berman with Joseph Cooper. Most everyone would probably respond that they were mentions during stressful times, but may well have lost patience and yielded to frustration. Who bent over backwards to help friends, neighbors, and co-workers, opened up a cool dwelling, gave up a bedroom, offered a sofa, ran power to someone's fridge, charged others' phones? Who knowingly plowed through a dangerous intersection out of turn? We'll entertain these thoughts and solicit calls about storm behaviors, with Pauline Winnick, after the news. Joseph Cooper and Bonnie Berman with today's Topical Currents. Well, this hour we visit with a sort of a go-to person for our more offbeat topics, She's a longtime South Floridian, her roots in Brooklyn. Pauline Winnick, besides her academic profile, Pauline attended the Protocol School of Washington, D.C., as well as the Cordon Bleu in Paris. She was a director of communications in Miami-Dade government and the first female city of Miami executive city manager. She was executive vice president of the nascent Miami Heat NBA franchise, and the co-founder of the Protocol Center in Coral Gables. There she coached business etiquette, international protocol, and networking skills. Also a job coach at the Miami Lighthouse for the Blind and now affiliated with the Miami-Dade Learning Partnership. So she's a people person, outgoing, gregarious, with boundless communication skills. And that brings us to today's topic, our personal behaviors during the stress of storm coping that we experienced last week. Welcome, Welcome Pauline. Pauline. Oh, thank you. It's good to be here, especially those of us who are struggling with PTSD. Yes. Post-turnpike <laughs> stress disorder. <laughs> now, listen, as I know, your visit was already scheduled. Irma wasn't. Correct? No, that's true. Correct. But, but so we are flexible. We are flexible, but I think all of our ne- nerves have been tested this last uh, couple of weeks. And especially for those who are still without power and or water. But amid all of the mayhem, there are rules of etiquette and a certain protocol to follow in the wake of a storm. I'd like to begin with the roadways, as you just alluded to, and those non-functioning traffic lights. That is definitely... Oh, there's no doubt, but there's rules of the road, which we all took, we all remember when we took our driving test. When you come (laughs) to an intersection... If everybody gets there at the same time, the person on the right goes first. But in Florida, or in Miami at least for now, we've all seemed to have forgotten that when everybody is just jamming their way through uh, intersections. And, you know, it really is about being kind to one another, being conscious of... And being safe. And being safe. Well, safe was crazy. When I saw people with all those gas cans... On the back of their pickup trucks, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, I don't want to hit that guy. Oh, yeah. And speaking of the turnpike, now, I had a friend that left town, as many of my friends did, and were stuck on that turnpike. But they said there was this camaraderie, kind of this feeling of um, 
we're all in it we're together. We're all in it together, even the strangers in their closed cars. Well, what happened, of course, is when the they closed the Fort Drum service plaza, for instance, and everybody on, was on that road knowing the next one was 42 miles. We all took to the woods to... Um, take care of nature and people <laughs> shared their toilet paper or their paper towels as the case may be wow so there was that i mean it seems like storms like this they do in fact unite people in many ways in uh, some the best and the worst <laughs> yeah i could think of better ways to unite well people if okay. i had my druthers <laughs> well so can i you know you know, I, you know in a way it's kind of weird that uh Whenever a community is hit with such a storm and a disaster and, you know, people are really going through some very intense things, but you always hear, you know, this community is so resilient and the way we've responded to that, but what are they going to say? We are really a bunch of wimps here, you know? <laughs> Well, I think we all, we all have to make a choice. You're going to either be a wildebeest or you're going to be a cheetah. You've got to have to figure out how you personally are going to survive the storm whether you're going to remember your good manners. And I don't know about you, but I think there are many phrases that we could now do without, like hunkered down. Hunkered down. We were noting that, too, that adjective is... Only applied to hurricanes. (laughs) Do you ever hunker down at any other time in your life? I don't... I think... I think only for... Well, I think only for storms. I mean, major storms. Um, Yeah. Well, let's Uh, appeal to our listeners. Okay, Uh, okay. Perhaps you have an Irma story to tell us of maybe of courtesy, goodwill, going the extra mile to help, or maybe a story where perhaps you others failed in the mission <laughs> of cooperation and goodwill. Perhaps some store war stories, home centers, gas stations, supermarkets. Give us a call, 800-743-9576, 800-743-WLRN. Also, emails, please keep them short, radio at WLRN. Now, I told told a friend yesterday who was still out of power, and she and her partner, she said, (laughs) one of us is going to kill the other one. Oh, I think so. So this, I mean, to not have power for now 10 days or 11 days... She and to be trapped with that other. same person <laughs> for all of that time. Exactly. If you don't have power, you probably haven't showered. You probably haven't had a hot meal. I mean, it does bring out uh, you know, resiliency. I'm sure some people coped very well. I know Joe had a fantastic generator. <laughs> for yes. about 10 hours. And, and yes. I think you have to figure out, okay, what do you say when you have power and your neighbor doesn't? Right. And other than sending nasty, gloating texts <laughs> to your co-host. Yes. Um, <laughs> Do we want to tell everybody about oh, the, those shrimp poached the, in wine <laughs> that when my power was out, Joseph Cooper was eating and he let me know it? <laughs> so I think there's an etiquette that's involved there. What do you say to a friend who lost their power? I mean, maybe you invite them over no matter how far they live or whatever. It would be a nice thing to do. Did you invite her over? He did invite did, me yes. over. He, in fact, asked me to she stay. She was stubborn and decided time. to stay on the beach. Yeah. Oh, that was an experience. Well, I've been on the beach for a lot of hurricanes, not ever like this one this that one lasted, lasted interminably. So yeah. And yeah. it was that noise yeah. for so many. It was like it started Saturday, actually, on the beach. Oh, I think really, I think our South Florida community really lost about 10 days. It started about October 4, 5, 6, you know, that Wednesday, and it didn't really come back until really yesterday. And I think some people still without power is really suffering. It started right after Labor Day. Sure. We came back on Tuesday and it started that Wednesday. Exactly. Yeah, we did a storm-related 
We had we had Brian Norcross on the Thursday. Yes, the Thursday before, which was the best hour I heard during the whole process. I'll tell you, he kept me company during Hurricane Andrew with my little Tropicana Orange uh, transistor (laughs) radio. Right, you can imagine. I would think Brian would be a fabulous guest. Yeah, he's he was great, and he was on post Irma with us. The other good thing was looking at Chris Cuomo's biceps. (laughs) <laughs> so I do have to say that for as long as the power stayed on, there were some good-looking things to look at. I was so hoping that Michael Seidel <laughs> of the Weather Channel would finally get blown over. Oh, he Joe. Was just, he, was, he was just flaunting it now, so talking much. Now, talking about generous spirits, <laughs> and here you are. Now, wait, but, but Joe over. does have a generator, and one of the things you consider that you write about is how... What distance you should set up your generator from somebody, from your neighbor's house? Well, except for your version. Many of them are noisy, right? So if you set it yeah, next to your... Yeah, professionally installed business. Yeah, you've got the fancy schmancy Eldorado gas, version. So you're not messing around with gasoline. All right, well, some of them are very noisy. So, I mean, do you yes. put it... You want to get it as far away from you so that you can get a good night's sleep. But if you... How close to your next door neighbor can well, you really is there put it? An, is there a stat, uh, not a statute, but is there a distance an that ordinance? it has to be? An no, ordinance? No. no, not at all. But I think if you put it under your neighbor's bedroom, you better invite them in to sleep <laughs> with well, you. Well, first consideration, <laughs> though, is carbon monoxide. That's the first thing. Before you consider noise is you have to be avoid right. that. Right, a certain so distance true. from For your you house. For you and your neighbor. Yes. Well, <laughs> I think the, I hope so. Are you a cheetah or a wildebeest? <laughs> <laughs> Something in between, I, I hope. guess. I hope so. Now, do we want to talk to Jeff? Okay, let's see. Jeff in uh, Coral Springs. You're up. Hi. Hi, how you guys doing? Good. Uh, I had a story I just wanted to share. I know we were all, like, you know, lamenting how no one understands how to operate a four-way stop when the light is out, and we've had a lot of, you know, people running generators, and we've heard a lot of the horror stories, but I did see something, and I'm not really... Uh, a very sentimental guy, but I have a uh, father-in-law who is a uh, very left-wing, very liberal uh, guy who had never spoken to his neighbor in, like, 18 years. Uh, his neighbor, a very right-wing, very conservative, uh, you know, guy, they'd never spoken. And in after the storm, my father-in-law had a lot of tree damage and had... Uh, parts of his driveway uh, blocked, and there was one tree that was uh, actually very dangerous. You know, we were afraid it was going to fall on, could somebody could kill somebody. The neighbor comes over with his gas-powered chainsaw and offers to help as I was there, and I saw my father-in-law and this neighbor, whom he'd never spoken to, you know, my father-in-law holding the ladder as the neighbor came and helped, and it was just like... It was an uplifting sight, and I know it sounds kind of hokey, but, you know, when when something like this can transcend and we can put aside all the things like politics and, and whatever that divide us and to see people unite and get along and do just nice things for each other, it was great to see. I'll hang up and listen. Thank you, guys. Okay. You're welcome. I'm sure there were many instances like that of people who sometimes you don't meet your neighbors. We live in air conditioning, and you might wave hello when you're going to work or something but you don't talk well he was people. saying that his father they were neighbors for 18 years <laughs> that's a i mean that's uh, you, you, i can imagine uh, what the lawn sign said during the last <laughs> presidential election <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, yes, yeah. I'm sure. But that's okay. We yeah. have an emailer from Veronica. Having been helped by two power companies from the Midwest, first on the Saturday the storm was getting started, and Sunday, a week later, mending a down cable. No idea how many crews came into our area before the storm, and I'm wondering where they stayed, who fed them, and who pays the bill. Can't praise them highly enough. That's interesting if Florida pays for these crews from out of town. I think that's why they call it a federal disaster. I think this is where the federal government steps in. It's not necessarily coming out of just Florida taxpayers. On the way south from Gainesville, we noticed a convoy of FEMA people from every state in the union. Right. So they, I think they pulled from everywhere, and that's why they make it okay. a federal thing. In her second paragraph, in fact, one young man who had just come in with his first Ohio crew had just become a father for the first time on the Tuesday before Irma. On telling him to thank his wife on our behalf, he said, oh, no, she told me to go, that they that you guys needed me more than she and the new baby did. And imagine all the people that we in Florida sent to help the victims in Houston yes, of, of Harvey. Yes. So we had a lot of first responders who had just been you know, doing wonderful work for two weeks in Houston. For and many, he, that was very nice that he was saying mm-hmm. that that we we were needed, that his wife said we were needed more than, we needed him more than the baby. For many did. people in our listening area, this is probably their first storm. I wonder if you've gone through now, if you've gone through Irma, if the experience has created any resolutions for better preparedness next time. Mm. Maybe you can tell us about that. Let's go back to the phones, uh, and then we'll... Uh, Go on our break. Betty in Palmetto Bay, you're up. Hi, Betty. Hi, everyone. I'm really enjoying the show. Um, you mentioned that you were interested in some, uh, I guess, evacuation type stories. I actually had one that wasn't too great, but um, I had gone through Andrew, so I was very, very nervous about Irma, and I decided to evacuate, and I'm also in a flood zone. So I drove on that Thursday before the storm. Um, to Jacksonville, and it took me 11 hours to get there. And I get to my brother's house only to find out, and they knew I was coming, so I was a little bit upset because they waited until I actually walked in the door to tell me that they were evacuating the next morning (laughs) going to Atlanta. But guess what? It went to Atlanta, too. I know. (laughs) So I was secretly kind of happy. That so did you go with them, or did you house it for them? No, I, I didn't. That The thing that made me so upset was they didn't even bring it like, like an offer to stay. So fortunately, I did have another brother in Tallahassee. Oh. So the very next day, I had to drive four hours to Tallahassee. So it was it turned out fine, you know, all in all. And I really, you know, I didn't want to have like a little dig because they did get the storm and everything, but... I didn't think that was very polite, <laughs> especially when we had so many conversations, you know, on my way up, like six or seven conversations. Somewhere in there, they should have said, oh, by the way, we're thinking about evacuating. Uh, maybe you they know? wanted to keep you yeah. in a good mood. Yeah, maybe they didn't. <laughs> and maybe they didn't know. They um, thought you wouldn't know what to do if that happened and you'd be driving more than 11 hours. That's true. <laughs> okay, anyway, Betty. Glad you're okay. Well. Okay, <laughs> Thank thanks. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're speaking with Pauline Winnick and lots of different Actually, hats. we can take a, a 
we can go through this break. Oh, okay. So we don't have to take a break. But we're still speaking with Pauline. Well, I'm glad you are. I just want to. <laughs> I just want to say that when Joe mentioned that you were formerly the ex, the executive vice president of the Miami Heat, that was the highest ranking woman in the NBA and in professional sports at the time. Just by yes, just by default. That but you know that's just because the other sports were really very far behind, right? Uh, in, in having women. And that was the Louis Chaffel, Bill that's Cunningham, right. exactly, the, exactly, the original owner, exactly. Right? Yep. It was. T- let me just say this. I I can't say it often enough. It was like holding a comet by the tail. <laughs> I was a very lucky person to have you know had that experience. It was very special. Yeah. Very special yeah. moment in Miami too. It was. Okay, let's get back to our uh, topic today, which is Brenda in Fort Lauderdale, Europe. Hi. Hi. Um. Thank you for keeping me going through the storm on my battery-operated radio. Um, I've been through all of the hurricanes since Hurricane David and a few in the Caribbean. But something kind of unusual happened during this storm. In our little cul-de-sac, you know, before the storm hit, everybody's out on the street. Everybody's waving. Everybody's saying, hey, we're going to empty our freezer. Anything you need, because I'm in a home alone. Anything you need, you know, we're all going to help each other. Yep, yep, yep. As soon as the hurricane hit, their generators went on and their doors closed. Oh. 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 Boo. Hiss. Not, not even inviting you in for AC? No. My next door neighbor, I begged him for a cup of hot water oh. because I just wanted a cup of coffee or tea. He begrudgingly gave me one. And then I said, can I please run a plug just for a fan so my dogs don't die? Right. You know? And he said, no, but I promise I'll give you hot food every day. I'm like, wonderful. I got one tuna sandwich. That's oh, not hot. That's not a hot that? food. If it was and hot, no, I hope I you didn't need it. I was <laughs> for that because I lost all my food. And it was neighbors who have only recently moved into the neighborhood, a young couple with a couple of babies. Wow. This man came over and gave me a cord. And I was so happy. At least I had a fan. But I'm very disappointed in in the neighbors. It's like, you know, and, and they're people, they have enough money. It's not like they're poor. They can't, you know, they have whole house generators. And they couldn't even, you know, reach out. Help. I hope they get it. I hope they're listening to this program and that they will alter their behavior for the next storm, of which we're going we're, to have. We hope right? no we time hope. soon. Right. It's not yeah. if, but when. Yeah. Okay. Right. I just thought it was a little weird, and I wouldn't do that, but hey, you know, what can I say? Well, Brenda, right. you made it, and I guess you have power now? Um. Yes, and do you have time for a little quick anecdote about that? Well... Let's let's do that. Maybe if we have time after the break, right? Because we want to talk about. Take a break, oh, okay. We got, we got a lot of other callers, so good luck, Brenda. Thank you. Okay, thank Bonnie, you. you have an email. Thank or? you. Yes, Shayla writes. While evacuating, we were excited to find a gas station without any lines on State Road 60. I got out to walk the dog while my fiance pumped the gas. Well. He locked both sets of keys in the car. Oh, my God. Is he, is he your ex-fiance? Since we were miles from a town, we had to wait an hour for a locksmith. 
a line quickly formed out on the highway. We were approached by many angry drivers, <laughs> but all were understanding when we explained what happened. Are you still talking they to his fiance? Oh, or... what a nightmare! Oh, Shayla, that is too. That is terrible. <gasps> oh my gosh. Oh my god. Oh, I can't. Well, of course, everybody is so you know. Uh, stressed that you do things like that well that's another question that comes up how do you get gas do you stay in line do you sneak in a line i saw a few people pushing cars some young men well they would have priority and how in a time of a panic or an emergency how how much gas should you take knowing that people behind you are desperate some gas stations there were people uh, piling up cases and cases of bottled water which is Seems like overkill. And some people were had price gouging on things like bo- bottled water. So shame on them for that. Yes. Well, we did have a price gouging hotline, you know, that we were giving out. But if you still, could, if you if, can, if you, if you, you had a phone, them, if you had a phone. There were <laughs> right. a lot of ifs attached. Yes. Our number one eight hundred seven four three nine five seven six. If you'd like to join in, also email. That's radio at wlrn dot org. Please keep those brief. Lyle in Oakland Park. You're up. Hi. Hi. Um, I'm glad to hear that uh, generator etiquette has become part of the discussion, and I'd, I'd kind of like to hear other people's input or ideas about how to address it. I actually say this with the generator from across the street going now that's been going, you know, full-time for the last week, especially a whole house generator next door was just really the most disruptive thing about this whole storm for me. And I think the point needs to be made that there really are mitigation measures that people can make, and that you know, maybe getting through the initial day or so is one thing, but when things are going to drag on, I think people have a responsibility to do something about the noise from their generators. And I would just like to hear other people's thoughts or ideas hmm. on that. Well, I okay. think that that's, that's a really, it's, it's responsible. I could understand people running a generator. To if keep your house is cooled down and your refrigerator is closed, right. you can take, take, take a couple hours off right. and not run the generator. Yeah. Or sleep with the open yeah, windows. Plenty of people run them 24-7. Well, now that we are literally into seven days and more. Um, but plenty Lyle, of people don't. Lyle, you, I'm sorry, you don't, you don't have power still? Oh, no, I do. Oh, and okay. I'm very lucky in that regard. And unfortunately, some neighbors right across the street do not. And I oh. There's also a factor of people fear not being able to start the generator if they shut it off, too. Hmm. Uh, you know, I think generator noise to me is like the noise that men who leaf do those blowers. leaf blowers. <laughs> Ban both the worst. of them. Yes, I well. mean, really, get rid of those noise pollution. Lyle, thank you for raising that point. Uh, thank you for taking the call. And again, I hope other people will weigh in on it. I would really like to hear how, how other people address this. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, thank you. And we move along to Miranda in Hollywood. Hi. Hi. This is Miranda. Yes, uh, I live in uh, Carriage Hills out here on uh, in, in western Hollywood, like west of 441. It's a lovely, oh, oh, you know, over 55 community. But it's you know we're not all um, old people, and 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 right before this hurricane happened, uh, one of the women that lives downstairs from me, she had come up to my my door. I had only been there for about a month. I've only been here for about four months. Uh, I had been here for about a month, and she had a package that had been delivered outside my door. And she knocked on my door, and she says, "Hi, I'm Donna." Hey, take this in, you know, because some, some people around here steal, so take it in. Well, the next week, 
began, oh, my God, this guy, this Irma's going to come through. This woman that I had just met and was just starting to get to know, she has lung cancer. She is uh, very, very thin. She's taking care of her aunt who is dying. And this woman spent every moment of every day going from apartment to apartment to building to building. She helped people put up their shutters, you know, some of the older people. She helped with the shutters. She she went out and got them um, uh, batteries. And I, I was just amazed at, I mean, she was almost like a Mother Teresa or a Princess Diana. I... I have since become a very good friend of hers, and if I had not broken my ankle going down the stairs when there was no light, I would be out there doing the same thing with her. So that's, well, a, really tu- that's a really touching story. Yeah, yeah, very. Miranda, thanks for sharing that, and I hope your ankle gets better soon, and good to hear from you. Yes, you too, Bonnie. Okay, Love take you care. all. Bye-bye. 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 Okay, we have an emailer. This is from Keith. I zigzagged up to Atlanta using the Waze app that took me on a scenic and traffic-free route in a convertible Mini Cooper. I got there in 14 hours, stress-free and full of wonderful Florida images. While in Atlanta, I experienced an unexpected vacation of eight days with family, thanks to Irma. I took small dosages of hurricane news during that time. By the way, we were out of power for 31 hours in Atlanta. That's Keith. From Miami Beach. Well, well, Keith is so lucky. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Keith? Yeah. That's, That's another factor, the, the overload of Hurricane News, sitting there watching over and over that counterclockwise loop. Don't you think it was mesmerizing? Uh, we were all hypnotized To turn by it off it. and go back every 15 minutes or half hour and see if there's a change. Except otherwise... if Chris Cuomo was in a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Oh okay, email or, or call. Let's take a call. Who would you like? I would like to take, um, let's see. Come on. Russell. Russell. That's six. Russell, you're up. Hi. Fort Lauderdale. Yes. Thanks for having me on again. I'm a hurricane expert studying 62 years. A couple comments. Uh, I was without power for five days, ran my generators, and supplied my neighbors. We all got to know each other, had a great time, and celebrated uh, neighbors helping neighbors. The other comment is that uh, I hang out on uh, Los Olas Boulevard at the Riverside Hotel, which was just jam-packed with uh, power workers from Wisconsin, Ohio, Tennessee. Wow. You could tell them with their redneck uh, you know, hats and all this. And uh, there was one woman among, like, 25 guys. So when they were done with their 16-hour days, they were throwing down some drinks and all. So I went up to the woman. I said, are you a redneck girlfriend or just a, a power worker? So she didn't quite answer. She says, redneck, what do you mean? I says, I'm a redneck from Connecticut, so long line of rednecks and whatnot. So we all got to know each other, and they all live in their houses or trailers up on the lake with their power boats, and they're all making uh, big-time overtime that will be reimbursed by FEMA and all. So we all got to parties celebrate at 10 o'clock like soldiers. They marched upstairs to get their eight hours and get up and go do it again. So we all applauded them. For, Thank you for coming down and helping us get power back on. And the other comment I wanted to make, and my friends in Puerto Rico, I can't get in touch with them, and they are going to be slammed by Maria. It's going to be a terrible thing. So as Americans and all, we all need to get together and help our 
uh, Puerto Rico, which is a beautiful island. I've been there like 14 days and all. It's just beautiful. And, all. Yeah, and we all need to help each other. And all. Thanks for uh, letting me comment on the air again. You're doing a wonderful thing. I've been listening to you ever since the hurricane and all that. Wonderful. Okay, Russell, Thanks. thank you so Thanks. much for calling. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that's true. As we sit here and we're trying to be a little more lighthearted, we, I mean, Maria is just causing total devastation through the Caribbean now again. It's again, awful. Yeah. Yeah, it's I awful. mean, again, that this is a, some of the same areas are being hit. Pauline Winnick, longtime South Floridian, top management experience in government and the private sector. And uh, we're going to continue with our Hurricane Irma stories after this break. Stay with us. We're back with today's topical currents, Joseph Cooper, Bonnie Berman, and Pauline Winnick. Pauline Winnick being the birthday lady here in our oh, studio. Oh, yes. that is Happy true. Happy birthday, Thank Pauline. You. Thank you very Happy much. Happy birthday. And many more. And Polly Landis got us each a piece of cake. We have cake. birthday cake. And yes. And balloons. And balloons. <laughs> and hopefully I can go to sleep after this and just <laughs> pretend it's not my birthday anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Only if you have a generator. And our number three, I'm oh, sorry, 1-800-743-9576 if you'd like to join in. 1-800-743-WLRN. And here's a interesting sounding story. Bob in Fort Lauderdale about a metal fence and electricity. Bob, hi. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, real quick first about the generators. After the storm, my neighbor turned his on and I never heard it before. And I thought, why is he mowing his lawn? <laughs> or blowing those leaves. Yeah, I was like, yeah. Anyways, I have a steel hurricane fence all the way around the perimeter of my property that connects to five others down that go down the road. We're all interconnected fencing. And to several on the street behind us, one of the power cables fell onto mine in my backyard and it turned all our fences into high-voltage electric fences. And we were just lucky no one happened to touch the fences and we would have wow. killed them. Or pets. And I or never something. heard anybody mention, you know, warn about that before. Hmm. That's something to think about. Yeah. It is something to yeah, think about. fences are so common. And it was in my backyard. If you had been on the street like one of the kids and you touched it, it would have killed them. Oh, wow. That's wow. awful. That's awful. Yeah. So you got to watch out for, elect- you know, hurricane fences in people's properties after a storm, too, not just pools and standing water. And I really, and who's responsible if your fence or your tree falls on your neighbor's property? I'm oh, not- and the people down, down the road didn't even know because they couldn't see that it was on my fence, but they were connected to me through the yard. Right. Wow. Well, who Although is I will tell you, we called the police and they came right out and FDL did come right out on that. I don't know if that's responsibility. or it's an act of God. Yeah. To, uh, oh, yeah. yeah but yeah, yeah. but you know how some people do trim their coconut trees before the hurricane season, and then there are others who refuse to do it, and they become flying missiles. Yes. Sure. Or avocados anyway, in this case. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Thanks for your show, and uh, we just want to know who we have to kidnap at the station to keep you on the air. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long line of people who want to kidnap him. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank okay. you again. Thank you. Thanks, Bye. Bye. And we'll, do uh, you have an email or there you want to? We do. Let's see. Uh, this is Jen. When we, were, we saw Irma was heading for Miami, my husband and I took our family and evacuated. We drove 13 hours to ha- Tallahassee along with three of his co-workers in the car behind us. When Irma shifted west and Tallahassee issued a voluntary evacuation, we shrugged our shoulders and caravan to North Carolina. My husband's co-workers were a blessing the whole time. They helped us with two small children. They shouldered the burden in purchasing food, cooking for everyone, plus cleaning up. 
We had a blast, even though we collectively had been in the car for 30-plus hours oh together. Well, that's a memory oh your God. children will certainly keep the rest <laughs> of their lives. And she's thankful for the women that ladies that got them through. Wow, that sound, that, to be in a good humor after 30 hours in the car, Jen, that's, uh, that's pretty good. My mother wouldn't have been. <laughs> no, I don't think I would have been. I don't think I was my best either. David in Tamarack, you're up. Hi. Hey, how's it going, Joe, Bonnie? Happy birthday to your guests. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, uh, I was, my story, uh, Tamarack never lost power, but this Sunday we was up in West Palm Beach and we were having lunch. Um, so we were at Burger Five, not to give them a, a plug, but all of a sudden 12 light crew people walked in. We thought they were local. My wife looked at me and I saw that sparkle in her eye and I knew what she was going to do. We didn't even hesitate. We bought them all lunch. Oh, right? how wonderful. How where, generous. Where were, they, where were they from? They, I, I asked them. They were from Indiana. 16 hours they've been working. They were dirty but proud of the job that they were doing. I mean, they were total strangers. We all sat and talked. And, I mean. Well, that was kind of you. They'll probably tell all their friends about right. the nice people. Yeah, you, right. become a, you become one of their anecdotes. How wonderful. How they wonderful. They were as, as Pleasure. I mean, and they they look like wild bikers, a couple of them, but they were just as harmless as a dog that you have that you call every day to come over and play fetch with you. I mean, they were the nicest people I've met in a long, long time. And That's I'm a great, David. Yeah. Great story. <laughs> okay, thank you for sharing that. Thank you, guys. Okay, bye-bye. Our next caller has maybe a title for a book. This is Leanne and Coral Gables, Generator and the Powerless. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Leanne, you're up. Hi. Hi, Bonnie and Joe. I'm calling because I have been without power for 10 days, and we have a caller calling in, and he's upset about the generator. And I find it insulting that people have the nerve to complain about something when they have power. We, I have two children that are now having to go back to school. We have no internet. We have no electricity. We have no warm water to shower with. And then someone calls to complain about uh, noise. It, to me, it's insulting. Buy yourself a pair of earplugs. <laughs> okay. I guess you could have noise cancellation earphones or something. Right, right. I, I think we all, you know, it, it, it depends on which side of the power aisle you're on you know well no 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 that is just it's human factor involved here too i mean come on there's people he acknowledges his neighbor has no power how can he complain about his hearing buy earplugs leanne it's a good point it's a really good point and he wanted people other people to comment so lyle i believe your name his name was lyle there's get get under get under your covers in your air-conditioned home yeah in your air-conditioned home in your heated water in your uh, you know watching tv how about how about inviting everybody in yeah exactly have a kumbaya moment right open your doors and your heart right that's the problem with society today is that it's a me 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 generation or world that we live in unfortunately well thank you for taking okay. my call okay leanne thanks for calling Thanks. Bye. Thanks. Okay. And we have an emailer. This is Laura. Don't forget about those of us who still do not have right. power. And we haven't, Laura. We oh, mentioned we it at the top of the show. I live in North Bay Village, and on Sunday evening, I watched my entire neighborhood light up, only to realize that my next-door neighbor and I were still in the dark. 
I've been fighting every day to get FPL to come back and finish the job. Nothing more depressing than being in an island of darkness in the middle of light. I'm honestly tired of the camping life. <laughs> Please pray to the power gods for me. Laura, I hope you get it soon. But just know you're not alone. There are a lot of people that still don't have it. But it is really distressing when everybody around you has it and you don't. Because then you feel like FPL won't come back there because they think. But they will. They will. They because will. they're doing a job. I mean, I was sharing earlier that friends of mine in Key West said that what they're doing in order to lay those power lines is they're actually forcing blackouts in the keys in the evening so that they can work more and more it is a man or woman to woman job where you are laying the cables there's not a machine or a drone that can do it for you so it's 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 very tedious and very hard work and we're always happy when we see them coming to oh neighborhood. yeah i was on the phone with someone yesterday who was who saw fpnl on their street was just about to get their power i'll quickly right. tell the story of my coming into work early tuesday morning i had to cross 27th avenue coming uh, to the station downtown from my home in miami lakes and i had to cross 27th avenue and go all the way across at 46th street so it was a four-way stop and this person really had style points for being cavaliers. She went right on the bumper of the first person, of the person before her, and blocked me. And I just kind of politely honked my horn. It wasn't one of those long, drawn-out, angry blares. And she just had the window open and, without looking at me, just gave me the best bird. <laughs> she really had style points with it. But just well, well, we'll talk about that when we were on this huge turnpike going at three miles an hour and looking at these really crazy signs that said, by order of the governor... The yeah. tolls were suspended. They're still up. And you know what? It's not the governor that suspends the tolls. It's really part of the process. Whenever there's an emergency, the tolls get suspended. I hated the people who were texting. The guy in front of me who was texting, and I had to, like, gently beep, beep. They have all those oh. people surrounding the governor and the, the various politicos. They never turned to them to ask a question or anything, but oh, no, they're they all were, standing they up there window, en They masse. were props. They were like window well, dressing, yeah. right? Right. <laughs> and Scott Guard with the window. Navy cap. What was with that? <laughs> or, the, or those National Guardsmen. <laughs> okay, let's um, go to uh, James in Oakland Park. James, you're up. Hi. Hi, how's it going? Good. 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 Hey, um, we're in air conditioning. Yeah, same here. Uh, so I wanted to call and just thank you guys so much for all of your time sacrifice, you know, uh, helping everybody out during the storm. And, you know, I'm a lifelong, you know, I was born and raised in Florida and lifelong resident. And I just wanted to chime in because I saw so many people overbuying in Home Depot and, like, filling up way too much gas. We all have families. I have kids. I'm sure they do and other loved ones. And I hope that people listening and that want to be prepared and maybe, you know, new residents of Florida, you don't need eight flashlights. You don't need to buy all the D batteries. You don't need to buy cases of water. You know, you can, we usually buy like one case or a few gallons and, you know, you got a tap. And five days before the hurricane, you know, you can fill up a couple gallons and pot it, you know? Yeah, and the tap water is fine, especially for a few days. Well, you have to remember, some people don't have water. They lose their water. Well, I heard earlier an employee of the station was in line and right behind a woman who got her car filled up with gas. She then gets out of her car, knowing there's a huge line behind her, and starts shopping at the 7-Eleven. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I need a pack of gum. Yeah, whatever, whatever. But knowing oh, that my. there are other people, and knowing that you could have pulled into a parking space, and enable another person. Oh yeah, to maybe go in up. and write a check. No, that's uh, not her, yeah. not very good etiquette. Not and, 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 what, and the last thing I just wanted to ask and point out, you know, a lot of people will say, well, oh, 
you know, I hear a lot of the rich people on the beach have the power first. And I just want to point out to a lot of the callers that go to the beach side. There aren't a lot of power lines because they all run underground. That's why they have power. And, you know, I don't really know why, but if any of the callers or you guys know why, I would really like to know in 20, 30 years, why, like the past 20, 30 years, why don't we have power lines running underground? You know, you know, nobody, nothing's changed. And so every 15 years, you know, you got all these states and billions of dollars going down the drain to fix the power. Well, there's a class action uh, lawsuit against FPL right now. I don't know what kind of clout they have, but. Anyway, James, yeah. thanks for calling. Okay, thanks for calling, Thank James. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Topical Currents, Pauline Winnick, short break. We'll be right back. Topical Currents, back with you, Joseph Cooper, Bonnie Berman, and Pauline Winnick. We'll go back to the phones. First up, Jeanette in Coconut Grove. You're up, Jeanette. Hi. How are you? So this is actually a story about my dog um, and Irma. So um, my husband and I went away for Labor Day weekend thinking that Irma was pretty far away and a non-issue. So we left our dog with our dog sitter, as we typically do. And uh, sure enough, Irma came quite rapidly. We're in zone A, so we couldn't come back. And our neighbor, I mean, our dog sitter is in zone B, so she had to evacuate her and her husband with 11 dogs, and they drove all the way up to North Carolina, and oh. we went and picked him up. Uh, and then they ended, they actually got back over the weekend. Um, they had, they stayed there because, I mean, they're, they're not, they weren't as mobile as you are with your just you know, it's difficult to find hotels that will accept 11, 11 dogs. 11 dogs, yeah. Yeah, and so they're just the best dog sitters anyone could ever imagine. They're dogconnection.org in case anyone's interested, uh, but they really saved the day. It wasn't an easy decision for them because they actually decided to evacuate before uh, the evacuation mandate was in place, um, and then they, you know, they were rewarded with that, so... That's great. What's their name again? Dogconnection.org. Okay. They're I'm in interested. the road. They're okay. really great. That's really amazing. That's so kind because we, we've actually heard other horror stories yes, about, about people, people who abandoned their cha- pets. Chaining them up and leaving yeah. to a tree. Yeah, yeah it's, it's terrible. So, I mean, you know, within all these terrible stories, there's always the heroes, right? That's right. Absolutely. Not okay. easy to... Thank want another you emailer there? Yeah, we'll get an email. Okay. Thank you so okay. much, Jeanette. Appreciate it. Okay. Um, Connie just got her power today after 10 days, so we're all still a bit deranged. I have a neighbor who lives several blocks away, had evacuated his family to Orlando, a neighbor who lives several blocks away. He called me several days ago at the height of our ordeal and asked me to walk over to his house to check if his power had come on. No house key anywhere, so he suggested I take a small electrical item over and plug it in an outdoor electrical outlet on his patio to see if it worked. <laughs> That's a lot to oh, I might. She did it, and it did work. He was ready to check out of his expensive hotel and head home. I saw a number of my stressed neighbors as I walked the three blocks to and from his house. Now they look strangely at me, wondering why I'd be wandering around a totally powerless neighborhood carrying a hairdryer. <laughs> That's... Connie and Carl Gables. Okay, good Connie. sense of humor, Connie. Yes. And we move along to Car- to Carmen in Miami. Carmen, hi. Yes, hi. Well, I have a, an interesting story about how I got my water. 
Okay. It, it was the eve of the hurricane, and because of family emergencies, I had not had an opportunity to prepare myself. So I had no bottle of water, and I really wasn't prepared. So I went to Walmart, and they were out of water. And I went a number of times, they were out of water. And then it was 3 in the morning, and I said, let me give it one more shot. So there I am at Walmart at 3 in the morning, and come across, I'm handicapped, so I'm in a scooter, and I come across these two ladies at fisticuffs over the last case of water. And one lady, using a lot of profanity, would say, that's my water because I had my eye on it. And the other lady would say, oh I don't, I doesn't count. I was closer, so it's my water. Oh. And it went on and on, and I, I said, ladies, 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 why are we fighting over water? Don't you have water at home? You open your tap? And one of the ladies said, well, where am I going to put it? And I said, well, I'll tell you what we do in Boy Scouts. You get some Ziploc gallon uh, bags. You fill them up with water. You close them really tight. You put it in the freezer. Right. Mm -hmm. When it freezes, now you have ice. You don't have to pay for ice. You put it in your cooler. When it melts, you've got a gallon of water. And when you drink your water, you have a clean bag to store things in. So they were taking that in, and other people were coming around, at which point one lady started screaming for her husband. Honey, honey, come over here, come over here. Tell him, tell him what to do. So I told the story. Uh, anyway, it went on. I had to tell the story several times and a couple of times in Spanish. And everybody was very interested in what to do. There was still this one case of water. At which point, one of the original ladies starts calling for her son to come over. Come here, come here, come here right now. And when the son comes over, she says to him, hurry, run to the Ziploc bags before this woman gets us all. <laughs> Very comp competitive, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, so then they all went to get the Ziploc bags, and I got my case of water. Oh, well, good. good. That's for a good you. Move. That's a good thing, Carmen. Okay. And <laughs> you're you go. filled with good ideas. Thanks so much for sharing. <laughs> you're welcome. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. And we have an email where Adrian says, People in big trucks and 4 by 4s stop driving through flooded neighborhoods at full speed, causing wake to go into houses and damage units that may not have been damaged. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. That's another good point, really. Let's go to uh, Kim in Dania Beach. Kim. Yes, hello. Hi, go ahead, Kim. Uh, yes, hi. I heard you talking earlier about uh, out-of-state electrical workers coming down to help. Uh, I didn't know if you were aware that they even came as far away as from Canada to come down. Mm. So uh, I'm a Canadian, and I, I, I have a home down here, and I didn't have any damage, uh, luckily. But uh, uh, I'm down here now to check on my home. Well, you know, Americans, we just love Canadians. Yes, we do. That is just ever, ever since the Iranian embassy. We just love Canadians. <laughs> so... We forgive you, even some of the bad drivers we see from time to time. Yes, <laughs> yes I'm sure. Okay, well, anyway, I wanted to know that we were here. We came down to get lend a hand as well. Oh, I didn't personally, but uh, my country did. So, All right, I Kim, hope, thanks so I much. I hope everybody gets their power back as soon as possible. Yes, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Bye now. Bye-bye. And we have an email from Justin. One thing I learned from Irma is that a gas generator makes one of the most annoying noises on earth, unless, of course, it's, it's your generator. <laughs> <laughs> right. John in Hollywood, we have you. John, hi. Good afternoon, everybody. 
for some reason, I didn't lose my my power for the whole time of the hurricane. So I was I was lucky, and I, I still don't understand why. For the whole neighborhood, I was the only one with power. So it happened that I sucked on uh, yellow rice and the baby tilapia. So I said, let me treat the neighborhood. I was cooking yellow rice, tilapia, and I was serving everybody. I was charging the phone for everybody. And then everybody became nice, big family. So we are all happy and we are talking. Everybody is talking to each other. It was a great night. And then I suggested that everybody with the, with the, with the radio, that they put, it was around 9 o'clock, 9.30. So we had the jazz from WIRN, and everybody is eating yellow rice and tilapia. Wow. Life I'm is sure, complete. I'm sure Tracy Fields will be happy to know that. Yes, right. yes, yes. One thing, please. I heard this lady, she was complaining that she was having a barbecue at home, and then she had a charcoal, but she doesn't like her chicken on the charcoal. She wanted some chips. The, the mesquite chips. She was complaining that she didn't find mesquite chips. I would like to find her, and I have a bag of mesquite chips, ah. even though even though if it's late. So just to satisfy her, because everybody they didn't have anything, and she was complaining about the taste of the chicken that she That's wanted. That's very to sweet of you. I th- I, off the air, we'll take your address because the three of us may wind up at your back. house next time. <laughs> no, okay, <all laughs> exactly. Right. I want you, you as a neighbor. Service. Okay, thank John. You. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Another emailer? Oh, nope. Okay. Oh, no. We have one more. Let me see. Maybe we should take... If we okay, have, do we have very time? short on time. Uh, Maurice in Hollywood. Hi. We have about 30 seconds. Oh, well, thanks for giving me your 30 seconds. I was enjoying the pre-hurricane leisurely day at the beach when I saw all of my neighbors coming down with their shovels to take sand. And I was a little annoyed until one lady who was struggling with 15 bags of sand asked me for a hand. So I was able to help her shovel sand, you know, even though I was earlier begrudging it. And she said, oh, I'll just bring it back after the storm. You think? Well, you know, you after think? the storm, there's so much sand, it covered the entire boardwalk. Do you oh, think, yeah. Did she bring the sand back? <laughs> no, but well, she may have affected the sandbars or keeping the storm away. You know, there's, well, that's there's a I limit. Thought. There's a limit to this stuff. That's why they have designated sand giveaways, as opposed to having all two million of us rush Go to, to the, the beach. beach and just take what we want. That's another well, point thought. of etiquette. You're right, Did Maurice. You see the beach after the storm when there's so much sand that got pushed ashore, it covered the entire boardwalk. Yeah. Yes. All right, Maurice. Thank you very much. Take care. Take care. Well, it's been a fun hour. And we do hope that all of you who are still without power get it very, very soon. And uh, we've been visiting with Pauline Winnick, and, oh, she's done so many things, Director of Communications in Miami-Dade Government, and the first female City of Miami City Manager, and the first Executive Vice President of the Miami But this is the most fun. This is the most fun. Spending an hour with the two of you is the best, (laughs) and your listeners. Well, it's been great, Pauline. Thank Thank you you. so much for your your presence. It's a great presence. And happy birthday. It's an honor. Thank you very much. And that wraps up today's edition. We hope you enjoyed it. It was produced by Polly Landis. Technical direction from online content producer Jason Zabka. Richard Ives is lead producer and coordinated our many calls. And apologies to Oscar in Miami Lakes, my neighbor. 
And perhaps you didn't catch our whole hour. We have free audio archives at our website. That's WLRN.org. And you can always listen on the Topical Currents iTunes podcast as well. Tomorrow's program highlights the major role the state of Florida, and Miami in particular, played during the great era of soul music. We'll join University of Tampa journalism professor John Capuya. He's written Florida Soul from Ray Charles to KC and the Sunshine Band. Shake your booty. Joseph Cooper and Bonnie Berman, thanks for making Public Radio your companion today. Stay tuned for Here and Now, next from NPR News.